In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who makes life worth living. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when we moved into our house on Monticello Drive, Liz and I got to know some of our neighbors. And uh, the, the one set of neighbors, uh, David and Jenny, uh, they, they were lots of fun. Um, and, and we really liked David and Jenny. They, they were good neighbors. Um, uh, and, and this is how good of neighbors they were. Um, they were always outside. They had two little kids. Um, and, uh, and actually, the, the second one came along while they were neighbors with us, and uh, always outside, always playing with the kids, always there when we were walking our dog to say hi and have a long conversation with us, and then um, a lot of times David was really into fishing, and so a lot of times we would get a text message from David and Jenny, and they'd say, we've got fish, do you want some? And we would say, you know it, (laughs) and uh, they would show up at our front door with two plates with uh, fish and hush puppies and grits and I mean just great neighbors amazing neighbors in fact we loved having the Reeves as neighbors and then they went and moved down south <laughs> and we got other neighbors and our other neighbors and I'm sure they're nice we just don't see them very often They're stuck inside and watching TV. And every now and again we get to see them and we say, hi. And they say, hello. And that's it. We don't have a long conversation with them like we did with David and Jenny. And uh, they're not as much fun to live with. They're not as fun of neighbors to have. And... Really, kind of, kind of the question for today is, well, what kind of a neighbor would Jesus be? You know, if Jesus lived next door to you, um, or maybe Jesus was your roommate. A lot of you in here have roommates, and some of them are fun, and some of them are not as fun. And so what would it be like if Jesus was your roommate? Would he be an awesome roommate? Or would he be, well, maybe that roommate that you were like, oh, I don't know, he's like always giving me this guilt trip. Because I've had that roommate. And and so the, the question that, that we really come up to with that sense of if Jesus would be a good neighbor, if, if Jesus would be a, a, a good roommate is, well, we say that we're going to be spending eternity with the guy. And honestly, if we don't like him, spending eternity with him is not a good deal. And so we we run up against this, this thing today where we've got Jesus showing sort of maybe even a little bit of a playful side to himself. Uh, This is Jesus, you know, hanging out on the beach with his buddies. This is a Jesus that we can really get this sense of of, uh, Jesus being uh, personal, Jesus being relational, Jesus having fun, Jesus saying, hey, come on, let's have some fish together, let's have breakfast together. Uh, It's still going to be an important thing, but just because it's important doesn't mean that it's not going to be enjoyable. And that messes 
with some of the ideas that we have about who God is. Because some of us have this sort of idea of God that is much closer to uh, one of those new military drones that they're making than to Jesus. Because some of us have this idea that, that God is sort of this like eye in the sky and he's buzzing around and if he notices you, well, maybe you'll get shot with a laser-guided missile. And so your two choices are to be a target or to blend into the background. And while most of us don't think that blending into the background really sounds like a whole lot of fun, it sounds like more fun than being the target for a laser-guided God missile. And we go, okay, I'll be a part of the background and I'll be really lame. Which is not really what God has in mind for us. God, God has this relationship in mind for us. He, he wants us to know Him. And He wants to know us. And actually, it, it's a big theological point. It's a big theological point that, that predates any of this stuff that is happening here in the Gospel of John. It, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the book in Genesis. Even in early Genesis, before you get into all of the crazy Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob stuff, you have God in the Garden of Eden before sin happens. And what does God look like in relationship to human beings when He's in the Garden of Eden before sin happens? Well, He looks like a neighbor. He looks like a good neighbor. Really kind of awesome neighbor. I mean, He walks in the garden in the cool of the morning in order to find Adam and Eve. He's the kind of neighbor that is coming over in the morning, not too early, so he knows you're awake already. But just coming over to say, hey, how's it going? How's life? And he's even such a good neighbor that he gives you a job. He gives Adam the job. Hey, you know, I need somebody to go and name all of these animals. You think you can do that? Adam is, okay, I'll do that, except for the woman, not sure what to call her. God eventually comes up with that. And so you have this sense of of God being this, this really relational guy with Adam and Eve. And then this horrible thing happens. This horrible thing happens where, where mankind falls into sin. Mankind has that first sin happen. And yeah, it does seem sort of like a minor sin, but uh, when, when you understand all of who God is, one minor sin kind of shatters the whole vase. And so uh, Adam and Eve, they, they fall into temptation, they eat the apple and, uh, or the fruit, and, and then all of a sudden that relationship, that image, is shattered. And all of a sudden, God has to work with us in a little bit different way. God doesn't show up to our houses on Sunday mornings in the same way that He was showing up to Adam and Eve. He's not bringing over Krispy Kreme and saying, Hey, how's your morning going? 
it's a little bit different. And sometimes we interpret that a little bit different into being a problem with God. That God maybe doesn't love us as much as he did Adam and Eve. Or maybe that God is sort of mad at us. And so he's sort of snubbing us. Maybe that's what's going on with my neighbors. Maybe we made them mad somehow and they're not talking to us for some reason. We, we get this sort of sense that, that God maybe isn't this sort of relational person that we want him to be. And so we begin to treat him as not somebody that we have a relationship with, but rather somebody that, that has this sort of legalistic hold over us. And this then becomes the, the sort of God that people like Freud and Marx and Nietzsche say is the, this God that we've created. And, and they're actually half right. Because the, the God that they're talking about is somebody that we have created. It's not the real God. It's the God that we've sort of developed in our mind. This God that uh, we can use. We can use this non-relational God in order to feel better about ourselves. We can use this non-relational God so that we can go to church or do penance or do good things or do whatever and then start to feel better for ourselves and justify ourselves and say, well, I'm a good person because I do X, Y, and Z. And we can even feel better about ourselves when we feel that He's punishing us. We sort of invent that God too. where We invent this God where all of a sudden, if we do something bad, we kind of cry out to Him, well, punish me, and then everything will be okay and I can go on with the rest of my life. It's sort of like, I've mentioned Freud. Freud was studying psychology in the weird cocaine-riddled way that he did. And, um, uh, really, uh, look, at, look it up. Check out Wikipedia. Um, and, and, uh, but, but he did these experiments, and one of the experiments had to do with this little girl who her parents would spank her as a form of discipline. Very, very hard. It, it was not a, a good thing at all. It, it hurt her a lot. But... Uh, what they found out, what Freud found out, is that this little girl in particular, that she would actually uh, sort of want to get caught. And the reason that she would want to get caught is uh, that, that she could feel better about herself if she then was punished by this horrible spanking. She could endure that, she figured, but it would still allow her to be free to do all of that bad stuff. And sometimes that's the God that we begin to kind of construct in our minds, this God who's this drone who's just looking for our bad things. Oh, and maybe looking for, you know, how nicely we blend into that background. But that's not the God that is revealed to us in Jesus. And that's why what John is saying in his gospel here is so important for us to understand as Christians. It's because what we understand out of this reading is that God is not a drone. God is not this horrible thing that we've sort of dreamed up to punish ourselves when we're bad and pat ourselves on the back when we're good. But God is actually, well, He wants to be our friend. He wants to be a good neighbor. He wants to show up in the morning and bring breakfast. And for him to be able to do that, he had to die on a cross. 
But once he dies on the cross, he, he shows us what that relationship is like when it is restored. You see, his whole earthly life, Jesus was showing us what that relationship was like. He had the best relationship with the Father that any human being has ever had. Because he's a part of the Trinity. And he said, this is what that relationship looks like with the Father, that I'm I'm constantly going to him. And even though this world is broken, that we can still have this, this conversation with one another. And then, uh, after he's resurrected, he shows us what that is going to look like for us when we're in the resurrection. That we will be there with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son. And and that we are going to have breakfast. And go fishing. And who knows what else. Maybe maybe some, some tag football. We're going to have a long time. We'll probably even dream up new things to do. And that that's the good news in all of this, is that we're not just coming to this place, you know, to sing a few songs and then to kind of feel bad about ourselves and, and then after that leave here and go, well, I you know, I went to church so I did my good deed for the week. Okay, here I go. Uh, no. If that's why you're here, you're, you're only getting surface level, maybe, and even that, probably kind of a fake surface level, like Formica. What's really going on here is, is that God is showing you a relationship that's beginning to happen in your life that is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper over time. It's like the relationship of a few other neighbors of mine. Dan and Olivia. Dan and Olivia um, just adopted two baby boys not, not too long ago. And they're twins, which means they haven't gotten a lot of sleep. Right. And when they got those baby boys, that relationship started. And they've been bringing them breakfast, putting them to sleep, holding them, playing with them, hearing the first time that they laugh. And that's the beginning of that relationship. And as time goes on, that relationship is going to deepen and it's going to get bigger and it's going to get greater and it's still going to have the same love and it's still going to be so great and it's going to get so, so much better and deeper. That's what's going on here. That's what Jesus is showing us. Hey, I'm bringing you breakfast telling you where the fish are. And this is the beginning of a whole eternity of fun and love and life that we're going to have together.